Welcome to another podcast from Hepatitis Victoria. I'm here today with Chris Carter, who is the CEO of the Northwest Melbourne Primary Health Network. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about your background and your interest and support of hepatitis. A thousand years ago, um, I was a social worker and was working in the very early days of the HIV epidemic in Sydney and working with sex workers, transsexual communities and essentially street present people. I had a very, and still do, have a very strong commitment around the prevention of blood-borne viruses, infectional health and really the difference that each of us can make in our daily interactions with people. And what's the role, do you think, of uh, an organisation like uh, the North West Melbourne PHN? How, how can they show leadership? Primary health networks can show leadership a number of ways. The first is in terms of advocacy and ensuring that the message around blood-borne viruses, STIs and hepatitis actually gets forward in the public domain. So that means not only at federal level, but because we're predominantly federally funded, but also at the state level and the community level where there are significant um, needs, wants and interests in the hepatitis space. In terms of the North West Melbourne Primary Health Network's role, where, where do you see the challenge? I think the challenge is trying to get the issue and the identification of viral hepatitis front and centre. Primary health networks have a couple of roles, obviously one of which is to undertake health needs assessments, so an analysis of what's actually happening in the catchment. And then the second is to try and find ways to fill the gaps where there are issues or where there are services that require some stimulation. So we're both a planner and a funder. And so for primary health networks, and ours in particular, we have a very high level of oral hepatitis right across the catchment, especially in certain places in the catchment. So really for us, it's about looking at the evidence, saying, listen, this is a problem, then providing some leadership about how we can actually move forward from an advocacy funding or even simply getting people in a room together to talk. Stigma is a huge problem in terms of viral hepatitis and it's linked to so many other domains of of human behaviour. A lot of people in our catchment that have viral hepatitis are from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds so often there are cultural and language barriers which are significant issues. Overlay that with GPs or allied health professionals or health professionals who may not be confident to talk about hepatitis C because of their own belief system makes it very tricky for people to raise the question, raise the issue and start to tackle prevention and treatment of viral hepatitis. And how do you think we we can tackle that within those communities? First step is to understand cultural issues. So make sure that we understand language and cultural barriers which create stigma. The second is then to have uh, health workforces that are culturally competent to be able to teach, to advise, to to demonstrate positive progress. Uh, and then I think the third is for us to, coming back to the system level, is to advocate for the time, energy and resources to be put into significant health literacy programs which enable concepts to be broken down but effectively communicated. From our work, however, uh, we tend to focus on 
I suppose mental health is our uh, is our biggest piece, and so that is for us probably about sixty percent of the work that we do. Chronic disease would be um, another, and chronic disease also has a trajectory of getting worse and worse as time goes on, as we get older, live longer, etc. And the rest are kind of um, smaller but niche issues which tend to be at place level. So often that's about socioeconomic disadvantage, access to services, after hours care. So we need to be across that very um, high level patchwork and understand the needs and within the resource base that we have be able to target most appropriately. And you did that with the Love You Liver campaign. That was a marvellous yeah. support, wasn't it? How, yeah, it was great. Do you think great. that that was effective in, in terms um, of...? I think it was, especially in terms of raising awareness and trying to, again, be health literate and break, break down the message in a simple, teachable, identifiable way. I've had lots of um, anecdotal feedback from providers in particular, especially pharmacy, who have been quite positive about it. Um, and I've certainly, you know, as a local, seen the campaign as I've been driving about. It'd be great to see that initiative spread wider and it'd be really great to see a significant impact, especially on treatment rates and detection rates for, for viral hepatitis. That's really a good point to come to the uh, goals, uh, the 2030 goals for the eradication, total eradication of viral hepatitis in Australia and indeed the world. What, how do you think we're on track for that? With the ambitious targets that we've set for 2030, I think we need to refocus, sharpen up, put much more resource into that early detection and prevention side, as well as treatment and care for people already living with viral hepatitis. And the whole issue of the liver is becoming bigger and bigger, isn't it? Yes. Um, do, do you see that as becoming more of a focus of the work you do? Probably liver cancer, because liver cancer is one of the fastest growing cancers in Australia. And certainly, you know, it obviously has multi-cause, so whether it's alcohol use, hepatitis. So I think that as those rates start pinging up, which we're seeing, that will certainly again draw attention to the issue of viral hepatitis and liver health in general especially given the expensive transplant costs. You mentioned the cost I mean it's something like a, a million dollars at least over the lifetime of a, of, of a person who has a transplant that's a huge impost in our system isn't it? Absolutely absolutely. One of the interesting things from the um, national mapping reports from 2016 is it shows that there's uh, quite a lot of people out there who have hepatitis but they don't actually take up treatment. Why do you think that is and and, and what's the solution, if any? Yeah, I think it comes back to that conversation around stigma and also the the slow progression of disease linked to viral hepatitis. So it's a bit kind of doesn't impact in my, my day-to-day life greatly until it actually does. Um, so that kind of period of disease build can be quite low, low effect in lots of ways. So trying, so people thinking that you know, they need to deal with it now in order to prevent is a challenge. And if we think about it in relation to chronic disease and relation to mental health, it's the same kind of thing. It's about the kind of immediacy and urgency piece. So there's that. Uh, and I think stigma 
as well uh, because viral hepatitis has got a long history of stigma and still has a high level of stigma attached to it that again the urgency and the pressuring to make early treatment and early detection happen is lower so what can we do about it i think that again we just have to keep pushing on we have to be persistent we have to be brave we have to keep talking about it and we need to put much more resource generally as a community in getting health professionals up to speed and literate have really clear pathways so that um, professionals and consumers understand the journey and the pathway. And we've just got to try and knock the, the stigma and health literacy piece on the head. What role do you think, or, or role that the government has to support this? I think that state and territory governments and the federal government certainly have additional roles to play in the prevention space. I think that there's a lot of resource that are, is in the treatment space you know and it was great especially with hepatitis c that the um, antiretrovirals were were listed and that's that's a huge cost to the system quite you know enormous amount of money which is fantastic but that's at the point of treatment not at the point of prevention so i think that both tiers of government can focus their eyes upstream so that we start to get really quite excellent health promotion, prevention, and other programs which actually get people before the point of infection. And of course, they'd save enormous amounts of resources yes. by doing it. Yes. And and one of the things I wanted to, to mention is that you're one of our HEP heroes, aren't you? Yes. So what are your thoughts about being a HEP hero? But you received the gong in inverted commas. How did you... Uh, listen, I was really, I was really chuffed. Um, and it's, it's great that Hepatitis Victoria runs this really fantastic acknowledgement program and it was really humbling to be a HEP hero amongst peers. So some of the really great consumers, clinicians and um, organisations that share the title, uh, I just think um, what a great bunch and I'm really pleased to be part of a great bunch. Even a Nobel Prize winner. Even a Nobel Prize winner. There you go. Peace Prize winner to Uh, boot. Anything else you'd like to add, Chris, to this? Uh, I think the way that organisations like Hepatitis Victoria can add value is, is essentially, as I said throughout the interview, one is advocacy. And you know, Hepatitis Victoria is a very strong advocate for viral hepatitis and has done a tremendous job over the last couple of years in raising the profile at the state level in particular, which has resulted in policy documents at the state level around hepatitis B and hepatitis C. So that's, you know, all all cred to Hepatitis Victoria for that. I think there's also a role about bringing service data and lived experience perspectives to organisations like government, both federal and state, and to ourselves as funders and planners, to be able to contextualise that the experience of people living with viral hepatitis. I think that's incredibly important and it's incredibly powerful because it helps shape the sorts of decisions that are made at both the policy and the funding level. So, you know, more more power to Hepatitis Victoria um, for having done that very well and the need to do it consistently and persistently into the future. That was Chris Carter, who is the CEO of the North West Melbourne Primary Health Network. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you. And if you would like to find out more about what we're doing, go to our website, that's hepvic.org.au.